Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. In Acts chapter 3, I'd like to begin reading in verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes upon him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is a red-letter day for this man. It's an amazing day. This man had just anticipated another day. He had just anticipated sitting at the gate, begging, getting what he could. From birth, he had been lame. And I'm wondering if he didn't start out the day with just the monotony of begging. It came to a point where it led to a miracle and the proof of the power of God. He went from sorrow to shouting. Went from tribulation to transformation, to a testimony. We're going to look at that a little more. So your life can also be. Your life can also, maybe you're in a place of tribulation and you're looking for the transformation so that you might see the testimony. If we are aware and remember the story of what happens, it tells us it caught the attention of all of the leaders in the temple. And so what do they do? They arrest Peter and John. They throw them in jail overnight. This is strike number one for Peter. By the way, you'll notice three times Peter's arrested. Peter's the three-striker. He's out. Well, maybe that's poor prison humor. So they're preaching and they're showing that this was not the power of themselves, but the power of God and what God could do. And he tells the people to repent Therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. In chapter 3, verse 19. And they wanted people to understand that it was the power of God and in the name of Jesus Christ that this had come about. That it wasn't anything of themselves. As a matter of fact, if you jump down in chapter 4 and verse 13 and 14, 
Well, verse 12 says that there is salvation in no other name except that name given under heaven, the name of Jesus Christ, whereby men must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. There was no way to get around seeing the very power of God, seeing what God could do. But I want to jump down to verse 22, kind of a postscript to all of this, because Peter and John are, have to stand before the Sanhedrin. They have to stand there and give an answer to what has happened. But the postscript after all of this says in verse 22 of chapter 4, For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Why did the Holy Spirit inspire that to be placed here? Why did the Holy Spirit say that it was important that the man be over 40 years of age when he was healed? Sometimes we say life begins at 40. For me, I don't know that that was necessarily true. I'm so thankful my son is 40 Life just begins for you. My old Sally, I should say cellmate, Johnny. Now, let me tell you a little about Johnny. He may even be listening in today. Johnny was a thug. He was a gang member, got in trouble for having a shootout, ended up doing a period of time in prison because of one of the young men from the other gang was killed, so Johnny took a voluntary manslaughter role and, and accepted that plea, did a number of years, but he came in as a gang member, as what, a street thug, but he left a child of God. And he just turned 40. His life was radically changed. You can't argue against lives that are radically changed by the power of God. And that's what we see here. This man at 40, his life was radically changed. And you know, he doesn't argue that, Lord, wait a minute, don't, don't do this. Because now, where am I going to, how am I going to get my work? Where am I going to work? You know, most of the young men in Israel, they would have come up through an apprenticeship. They would have been trained in some way. They would have had jobs maybe taken over for their fathers. But this man, because he had been lame from his mother's womb, there's no training. His only means of work was that of asking and begging. But you see, he doesn't say, oh no, you've ruined my lifestyle. Oh no, you've ruined everything I've worked for. <laughs> yeah, now I, I can't sit and beg anymore. No, he's praising God. He's trusting God for tomorrow. He's just recognizing what God had done in his life that day. You see, sometimes we need to just recognize it's what God is doing at any age that He's working in your life. And when we get older, sometimes we arrive at a place where we're just happy and set in our ways. We get into a regular routine. Don't you like a routine? It's nice when we break our routine because sometimes, and they say... Sometimes at age 40, we begin to get into a rut. Some might even say sometimes rigor mortis begins to set in. But we start maybe to get stiff and stove up a little bit, get a little sore. You're feeling things. But let me tell you, but 
We need to be recognizing that God wants to get us out of our rut, our rusted groove. Have you ever had a nut that's rusted in there? In its rusted groove. And that's what the Lord's trying to do. He's trying to get us up out of our rusted groove. And when you live for the Lord, you begin to see the power of the Holy Spirit and you see the opportunities for serving God. Peter and John just were going to the temple to pray. All that they were going to do was go pray at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It says the ninth hour. They were going to just go and pray, but here was a man that was begging. How many times had Jesus gone into the temple? Just a year before. How many times had Jesus walked into the temple and this man evidently had been laying in there for many, many years? Why is it that Jesus did not heal him? It's because at this point, over 5,000 men believe when they saw the power of God in this life. That's found in chapter 4, verse 4. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Why is it that Jesus didn't heal him? Because he knew that he had another purpose. He knew that he had another reason, and that Peter and John were going to be that vessel that carried forth the word of God. You know, in the first part of our life, we may be very romantic. In the second half of our life, we may be rheumatic. But that's what God's trying to get us up out of that. He's trying to move us. And sometimes we think we need the younger people to come in and do all of the work. Kind of like fresh cement. You know, when you just poured cement, I remember we poured a, a walkway when we just bought the house. And, and all of the kids put their handprints. And they wrote their names and put the date when we're young, we're kind of like that fresh cement. You can put in that wet cement, you can make an imprint, but let me tell you that when it hardens, when it's set, an elephant can walk on it and it won't make an imprint. That's what the Lord's trying to do. And maybe that's why he's telling us here that this man was over 40 years of age because we've gotten into a rut. He's gotten into a, a place where he no longer was looking to see the power of God. No longer looking to see what God could do. But God had a plan and a purpose. And John and Peter were willing to change their day. And willing to change what they were going to do to see God work in that day. Sometimes to get where we're going, we want to just handle our business and we don't want any interruptions. But we've got to recognize that sometimes God interrupts our lives so that His power can be shown. That the Holy Spirit can work in us and through us. And we need to be looking for the opportunities to share the gospel. We need to be looking for the opportunities. You know, it's the gospel of the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that takes the gospel and works in the heart. Sometimes our hearts might be icy, but let me tell you, when the heat of the day comes, that ice melts. But oh, if we have a heart of clay, sometimes that a heat of the Word can just harden it. Don't let your heart become hardened. Don't let your icy heart or your clay heart become hardened. Hi, give me a moment to update you with a bit of information. You can reach us now at schoolofministryresources.org org or biblelandmarks.com you can also reach us at p.o box 837 valley springs california 95252 please contact us with comments questions or to receive handouts and printed material we look forward to hearing from you now back to the podcast 
But we have a responsibility. And today, if you're hearing God's word, what will you do? It's kind of like Jeremiah 48 and 11. And it's said of a people that they are settled on their lees. I love the old King James. Settled on their lees. Why? Because you have not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Sometimes we need shaking up. Sometimes we need something to to stir us up and to change us and to make us realize that it's the power of God and God is still alive in this day and this age. Let me ask, do we need another American idol or do we need an American revival? We need revival in our land. We need revival in our land and maybe it's God's churning up. And really that's what revival is. Revival is a churning up. It's a stirring. It's shaking us from our set and comfortable ways. It's a turning around from where we've been going and now we're heading in a new direction. It's kind of like that idea of repentance. When we repent, we were walking this way, but we turn and now we're walking after the Lord and that's what revival is. Revival is that stirring up, that shaking us, that brings us heading into a new direction. And I believe God is getting this world's attention right now. With all of the virus, when we look around at what's taking place, but if you watched some of the news, have you seen what's happened in East Africa, in Kenya and Somalia? Well, it didn't make much of our news here, but you know there were 80 billion locusts 80 billion locusts of an East African type, of a desert type. And it says that every day they ate enough foliage for 84 million people in one day. You don't hear that in the news. Did you hear about what's happening in Syria where they have no running water, they don't have the soap, and now the coronavirus is there? What's going to happen when they can't even wash their hands? Or have you heard about what's happening in North Korea? How in this last month they've had six missile rockets launched? Or what about Turkey and Russia announcing the truce? But all we hear about is the coronavirus. Have you heard about the recent earthquakes on a Russian island, 7.5, that caused the tsunami warnings? Or in Zagreb, the earthquake that was there. And these earthquakes and these things are happening on almost a daily basis. And why am I saying that? I'm saying that because Jesus said that these are the signs before the end. These are the signs of my coming. Now, I'm not ready to go put a placard on saying the end is near and start walking up and down because I don't know. I don't know the timing of God's timetable. But I do know what Joel 1 and verse 2 says. It says, Hear this, you elders, and give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days? Or even in the days of your forefathers? And we know the account of Joel's prophecy when Peter spoke on the day of Pentecost. On that day of Pentecost when he said, Today this is fulfilled. Today in your ears it's fulfilled what would happen. And it says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And also on my servants and on my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. Blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass 
that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now we understand that part of that prophecy has been fulfilled, but I think there's another part. That we're going to begin to see the power of God in great and mighty ways, just as we're seeing. But these are just the beginnings, the earth, the birth pangs, if you will. Just that which precedes the end. So I'm not ready to go out and start saying, here it is, the end is coming. I'm not going to set a date and say, the Lord is here. No, but I do think people are looking I do think people are asking, what's happening in the world? What's going on? Why all of this? And that is our opportunity to let the Holy Spirit, to let the power of God work in us and through us and see like Peter and John, they saw the opportunity and took it so that they could carry forward the gospel and 5,000 men, above 5,000 men accepted Christ. We're going to see more and more of these birth pangs that continue before the days of tribulation that the Bible speaks of. Some might say, well, it's just a matter of chance. It's just a matter of chance that all of these things will come about. And after all, we'll figure out, kind of like we did with SARS, the swine flu, with HIV, with the various strains of hepatitis. We'll figure out. Science will help us. Science will get a vaccine. And that well may be. And I'm not saying that if there's a vaccine, don't take it. No, no, no. God gave you a brain and he expects us to use it. He expects us to use some common sense. But we do need to see that these things have not happened just as a matter of chance. Just as a matter of evolution, like some might think. For those that have the spiritual eyes, for those that will look and will see, this is the shaking up. That maybe we've been like the lame man these 40 years, and we need to be stirred up and see the power of God working in our lives. You know, have you ever taken a long trip? The first part, okay, man, we're on our way. We got everything packed. We're going. And it's kind of happy that now you're on the road. But after you get on the road a while, maybe you hear the kids say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I remember In 1975, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord, as my Savior. And I remember hearing then that the Lord was coming soon. And I didn't know if I'd ever get married. I didn't know if I'd ever have children. And now I've got eight grandchildren. I didn't know how long it would be. But let me tell you that I do think the coming of the Lord is now obviously nearer than when I first believed. It is obviously nearer than when you believed, but it's still true. He is coming. And sometimes it's the middle miles that test the traveler. Are we there yet? And it's gladness when we get close to the end. I'm so glad we get to travel and visit our daughter and we get on the road and I don't know why we go through some stretches of I-5 and it just doesn't seem like it ever ends. And then we get close to the grandkids. And what do they do? They want to FaceTime. Grandma, where are you? Grandma, how close? Grandma, what are you seeing? And they want to see everything that's happening because we're right there getting near the end. Well, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey. I don't know where you are. And maybe you're in the middle of the days. Maybe you're in those tough days of of traveling. In the middle miles. When you're still saying, are we there yet? It's often been said, youth has fire without light. 
And the elder has light without fire. And maybe you're not as starry-eyed as you once were. You've learned from experience. But let me read one more passage of Scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 20. In Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, we have the man that owned the vineyard. And he goes and he begins to hire laborers to come and to work in the vineyard. It says, beginning in verse 1, And the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with them, with the laborers, for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And so the story goes on how he needs more workers. And he goes out and he hires others throughout the day. And let me call your attention to verse 12. Because, well, let me back up to verse 8. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those who came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. And when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. If I wish to give the last man the same as you, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church. 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.